You're listening to Art and Magic, and I'm your host, Devin Walls. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the show. Today, we're going to do a Q&A episode, which I really enjoy because it gives me a chance to hear what's on your mind. Um, and it's also fun to touch on a lot of different things in one episode. I like to think that there will be something for everyone and someone's question will speak to where you're at. Uh, this one in particular is going to have an emphasis on the practical. We're going to talk about um, dealing with your finances, when to sell your work, dealing with burnout, all the things that go into the behind the scenes and when we can streamline them and bring a little bit of grace and ease, just make the whole process go better, and hopefully help us feel more confident and grounded in our quote-unquote careers, whatever that means for you, whether you are selling your work or you're just like a career maker in the sense that you're very dedicated to it. So let's go ahead and jump right in. So our first question comes to us from at honeybeeclay on Instagram, and she asks, how do you deal with the financial ups and downs of being a creative? Oh, if there wasn't like one question to sum up the crux of what we do, right? Um, this is such a big one, and I think that learning how you hold such an unpredictable and varied income stream is like a skill in and of itself, but I'll share what I can and what I've learned. So my friend shared a quote with me that I think really sums up a great philosophy for financial dealings as a creative, and it comes from the Script Notes podcast, which is all about um, being a screenwriter. And the quote is to hope for the best and prepare for the worst. So to break that down, I think that means to put your ideal hopes and dreams at the forefront of what you're going after. So if that is selling really expensive paintings, if that is working with like celebrity equivalent brands, um, getting like huge projects, um, anything that feels a little bit like a long shot, a little bit unpredictable, but would just be your dream, right? Like designing a stage at the MTV Awards. You definitely want to orient yourself towards that. Um, I think you should let that pull you forward because that can only infuse what you're doing now with really good energy. But it wouldn't be wise to plan on that. It wouldn't be wise to make that your financial plan. And so while you're aiming for that, I think it's smart to think about what income can I create? Like what's the next best thing to that big dream? Um, That's in line with me and what I'm doing, but that is going to have some predictability to it. So for a lot of artists, that might be like freelance graphic design. It might be working as a university professor. Uh, For me, it is often running artist groups and teaching courses. You need to balance those risky, quote unquote risky, creative goals with something that if you know you put your energy into it, you're going to get money back. And I think a good game plan is to have something that you can pick up as you need to, right? So there's some seasons where I get a lot of mural jobs or I sell a lot of paintings and I don't have to teach as much. And I I say have to like lightly because I actually really enjoy teaching and I, I genuinely want to do it. But for the sake of this example, where teaching is like my more stable, reliable 
thing in my back pocket. It's really important for my peace of mind that I know, okay, if there's a slow season um, with my art sales, I have this thing that I can then lean on and it allows me to go back and forth. It wouldn't feel good for me personally to have everything rely on sales, which at this point are very up and down and unpredictable. And that might change, but at this point, it's very varied. Um, I wouldn't want to be sitting around scrambling to make a sale. That would be not good for my emotional well-being. So that's my first piece of advice. Have something in your back pocket that is reliable, consistent, that you know you can lean on when you need to. For a lot of people, this is their day job, right? Like it's Even the things I mentioned, graphic design, teaching, even those can have a freelance nature to them. So you might be starting at a day job and I think that that is beautiful and fine and will help you and your sanity more than you know, even if you're hating it. Um, I promise you, once you don't have it anymore, you're going to realize the value of um, a reliable income. I'll also add that as you spend more years in your creative career, you will learn about patterns and cycles. When you have more data, like let's say five years under your belt of being a working artist, you'll be able to see like over the long haul how much you are likely to sell in a year. Even if in the short term, Uh, everything is very up and down and unpredictable. And that will give you a little bit of peace of mind of like, okay, over the course of two years, this is how much I tend to sell. But when you're living month to month or you don't really have those numbers yet, it's hard to get a big picture. So I guess that would be my next piece of advice is give it time to let yourself see what the patterns look like so you can make choices accordingly. So my next piece of advice is to have some money in the bank. I know that that's a privilege and not possible for everyone, but I think that's a really good goal. Um, You don't want to feel like you're on your last dollar. I mean, that's not a good feeling for anybody, no matter what career you're in. And I assure you, I have done it for many years and I can assure you that all of those years were very stressful. And so now... I I take care of myself by making sure that I have a certain amount of money in the bank. When that number gets too low, um, too low for my comfort level, I do some teaching or I pick up a side gig or I like do a sale of small works. Like I do things to make sure that that number doesn't get too low. And that's again for my own peace of mind. Okay, one more thing I want to mention in this conversation, and it has a little more to do about just how you approach your income as a creative in general and less about like dealing with the financial instability, but I think it's worth mentioning. After you've been doing this for a couple years, because in the beginning you're kind of just like learning how it even goes, right? But once you're more like intermediate, you've been a working artist for like two to three years, At that point, it's very important that you're putting your energy towards things that are going to give you a proper return. So it's important that you realize like, okay, I'm spending X amount of time in the studio. Here's what these works are priced at. If I were to sell out this entire series, this is how much I would be compensated for my seven months of time in the studio. And if that number is about like a fourth of what you even need to make to live, you probably need to evaluate that. You probably need to raise your prices or 
um, consider how you might profit off that work in another way, right? So making prints, maybe you license that work, maybe you take on commissions that um, are more expensive and therefore compensate for that time in the studio. But you don't want to just be like blindly putting so much time and effort into what you're doing, not leaving space for any other jobs or opportunities or income streams. And then that number is so much lower than what you need to make for your situation. So when people come to me and they're like, yeah, I'm doing well, I'm selling work, but like, I just, this isn't a real amount of money. What I would then advise them to do is to identify things where they're going to get more bang for their buck. So for me personally, this has looked like mural jobs. It allows me to make a larger chunk of money in a shorter period of time. For you, it could look like going after bigger companies that you're pitching to if you're looking for like licensing and collaborations or opportunities in that sense. Um, the other approach to this is not necessarily going after jobs that pay more, but building your audience and getting more exposure so that you can sell more of like a print or a product or something. But in either scenario, whether you're going after something that pays more or you're trying to get more people to buy something that you're charging the same amount of money for, you want to, again, be mindful of bang for your buck time for return. So I also understand that the nature of being an artist is that a lot of times you do have to spend time in your studio for work that you will never get paid for, work that you might get very underpaid for, and sometimes that is the nature of studio art. And I don't think that there's anything inherently, well, societally, there is something inherently wrong with that. But for you personally, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, My point is that you want to allow time and space and thought for making sure that you're taken care of in other ways, since you probably are going to be spending your time doing that. So just bringing a bit of perspective to the whole picture of your income. So make sure you have something reliable that you can lean on. Um, to prepare for the unpredictable ups and downs that will happen in other facets of what you do. Make sure you have a savings um, if you can. And start to think about how you can get the most bang for your buck. So really my advice for this is really not a lot to do with mindset, but actually taking practical steps and creating the safest container possible for you to work as an artist or a creative. It's just kind of like putting up these little, these little stops and these little safeties so that you can flutter about within (laughs) and go into the world to sell art unpredictably. Okay. So onto our next question, which is kind of in the same vein because we're talking about selling and that is, should I sell my art while I'm still defining my style? And that comes from at Holy Moly Textiles. Thank you for that question. This is such a good question. When am I ready to sell? So I think that it is ethical and allowed for you to sell your work whenever you want, as long as it's your own work. So if you're still defining your style in the sense that you're learning and exploring and you know that you're not to that like cohesive picture yet, you can still sell your work at that point in time. If you're learning and defining your style in the sense that you're learning by copying other people, that would be a no-no. So assuming that your work is your own, then I think it's just a personal choice. Do you want to sell your work? Do you want to be compensated for your time and materials? 
Or do you want to keep this exploration phase sacred into yourself and maybe you don't want to be posting pictures and quote unquote marketing it just yet? I I think that we have intuitive senses about this. I think that we start to have this feeling rise within us that's like, oh, I kind of want to show someone. I, I kind of want to get money back for this. I kind of don't want to have this work piling up. Versus when we're really learning and really in the beginning, um, those thoughts don't tend to cross our mind as much. And so as soon as you start asking the question, I would say it might be ready to sell or you might be ready to start selling, not necessarily the work itself, but just the place that you're in um, sooner than you think. I know a lot of artists get worried about like putting their work out there before they are where they want to go. But the truth is, is like people aren't really paying as much attention to you as you think they are when you're making work that is closer to your ultimate style two years down the line, people really aren't going to (laughs) remember what you are making now. Uh, So this is just my personal theory, but if you're ready and wanting to sell your work and to start sharing it, you might as well get compensated for your time and materials. You might as well free up some storage space. And I'll also add that selling your work, uh, the art of selling your work is is a process, it's a learning process, just like making art is a learning process. So I think the benefit to starting to sell is you're gonna start learning how you like to sell. You're gonna learn what works for you, what doesn't, how you prefer to release things, how you prefer to interact with collectors. And I think that that prepares you for the long haul. Like the sooner you can start learning that stuff, the better served you're gonna be down the line. And you know, if you're nervous to start selling, like just price your work accordingly. You can start with a low price. I'll say my personal experience was that I, when I was kind of in my like doodling phase in college, it didn't even cross my mind to sell my work. Granted, this was like long before Instagram was popping off with people's artwork. So maybe that's why it didn't cross my mind as much. Um, But then there was a phase when I started acrylic painting more seriously and spending a lot of money on the materials and I was spending a lot of time and honestly it was just taking up a lot of space that I kind of had this feeling like let's try out this Etsy thing like I see people doing this I want to dip my toe in the water now of course I look back at that work and I'm like oh my god cringe I'm so sorry to the people who bought it um at the same time though that was such an important learning period for me and my work was really inexpensive so I'm able to look back and be like okay cringe that work is so far off from what I'm making now but at least it was priced accordingly um and so maybe something about that gives me a little bit of peace of mind so if you're brand new and you want to dip your toe in the water and you feel like you don't know what you're doing I think starting at a low price might take the pressure off and make it more accessible to to your own nervous system So as long as your work is your own and you're not copying anybody and you're feeling a genuine desire and it actually feels good for you to sell, I say go for it. Okay, so our next question is such a good one and it comes from at Laura Jane Klassen on Instagram and she asked, where do you turn to for healthy examples of work-life balance as a creative? You know, I had to think about this one for a minute because... It's so rare that we actually know what someone's life is like off screen. 
Um, or maybe we're not watching them from behind a screen, but someone's career that we admire. And so I'm going to say the people that I've actually had on this podcast, you know, I definitely have people that I follow from afar, actually like the jealous curator came to mind as someone that I, I think, uh, seems like they're balancing well and, um, are taking breaks when they need to and, have have some sort of creative life that I might envy. But the truth is, is I don't I don't know what her life or these other people's lives are actually like. And what came to mind was the conversation I recently had with Soleil Daryl. Um, it's called Honoring Your Creative Tap. She talked a lot about what her studio schedule is actually like and how she takes care of herself. And I found just listening to her felt soothing, which was an indicator to me that she really does live her life that way. Um, Some other people are just people that I know behind the scenes. My friend Amanda, who's been on the show, um, Amanda Sandlin, also Marissa Avila Saylor, who has been on the show. These are people that I know on a personal level or at least a semi-personal level that are just living like very real lives as working artists, but are often also moms or might also have side gigs and definitely also have relationships. Um, They're not like so intense. Their entire identity is an artist. Like these are people, the three people I just listed, Soleil, Amanda, and Marissa, that I think have very well-rounded balanced lives where they engage with other things besides their career and do take days off. And I'm sure each one of them would tell you that they're very imperfect. Um, But those are the people that come to my mind. And yeah, they're, they're just normal humans like you and I trying to make this gig work. And maybe that's like the most inspiring thing to me. Hey, y'all, we'll get back to the episode in just a minute. Uh, But first, I want to talk to you about selling framed prints of your work to your collectors in the absolute easiest way possible. And that is by using the Frame It Easy Shopify app. So this is a total game changer for how you sell prints. First of all, I already love Frame It Easy frames. They're where I already refer my collectors. And now with this app, all you have to do is upload the digital file of your work and Frame It Easy takes care of everything else. They'll provide the size options, the styles, and they'll ship it right to your collector's door with your own branding on it and everything. How cool is that? To get started, all you have to do is set up your Shopify store and search Frame It Easy within the Shopify app to install it. Then you upload the file of the work you want to sell and that's it. You're done. And just for being a listener of this show, you can get $100 towards sample frames. What? By going to frameiteasy.com backslash artmagic also in the show notes. Okay, let's get back to the episode. All right, so I'm breaking up this Q&A with like a short fun one that comes from Lacey Martin. And she asked, I would love to hear about what you're reading right now. Her and I talk about books a lot and how it's inspiring you. Books are such a great place to get inspiration. Um, But actually, the book that comes to mind is less inspiring in like a creative process sense and has just been inspiring for how I'm thinking about my decisions and my career. And I think it's one that I've mentioned. I've definitely mentioned it on the Patreon, but if you haven't heard me talk about it yet, it's called Death of the Artist, how creators are struggling to survive in the age of billionaires and big tech. Quite the loaded title. And it's a very like vast book, but it basically covers 
people working in all different mediums from television to visual art um, to musicians and essentially like the challenges they're facing in this day and age, um, how the world has changed for artists over time. And it really just paints this very zoomed out picture for anybody in this day and age trying to make it as an artist. And there's one way in which I think the book could be taken I don't want to say the wrong way, but you could choose to see it as a downer, but I actually found it really validating. It really validated a lot of my experiences, a lot of my concerns, and it made me realize that like I'm actually doing pretty well, that the way most artists define success is just by the fact that they get to keep making in whatever capacity that they can. Um, it made me feel like a little bit more united with the artists of my time. And, you know, he I've heard him talk about in interviews how he really focuses on the how, like how are creators making it? Um, and he does a great job of highlighting that in the book, like what does actually make this doable? And again, what people shared and what he found uh, validated a lot of what I also do, which is share and put my work out there and sometimes focus on commercial work and um yeah, try to make practical decisions for myself. So anybody who's aspiring to be a working creative, um, I found it really interesting and informative. And I don't know, it was like this puzzle piece that I think I've kind of needed in terms of how I'm viewing this whole gig. So highly recommend. Okay, one more fun one. Uh, this question comes from at B-Y-Z-M-U-T-I, um, biz Muti. And she said, I love hearing about artists' childhood, artists' childhoods. Um, when and how did you recognize the whimsy? I like answering this question because uh, I was not like a typical artist kid, you know, which I've talked about on the podcast, uh, I think with my friend Amanda, about how that's kind of a myth that all artists were drawing really well at the age of five. And I don't think that was me at all. I was definitely imaginative and expressive and creative. And when I look back in retrospect, I see that I had a knack for creating my own little worlds and living in them. But I certainly don't think I showed signs of being a visual artist. Um, and it, particularly when I got into high school and I was kind of just ricocheting off of <laughs> lots of trauma and was just kind of all over the place. Um, I certainly didn't see myself as a creative. I mean, I danced and I think I even viewed that a little bit more as like a team sport than anything else. Um, but in no way did I see myself as a creative. And so I think that's why it was this whole identity shift and kind of revolutionary when I started drawing when I was in college, which I've talked about a lot, um, and fell in love with it. And then it grew and evolved to the point where I was painting more seriously and I don't think I recognized myself as like an artist. I know that's kind of a hard thing for a lot of people. So, um, you know, we all deal with recognizing ourselves as artists, but I don't even think I saw myself as creative really until those early college years. Um, so it can happen at any stage in the game. And of course, like I said, now when I look back, I see lots and lots of signs. Um, it was just that the pencil wasn't in my hand, like... Nobody thought to put it there. Nobody recognized that I might like having it there. I don't even work with pencils now, so that's not a great analogy. But paintbrush, whatever, you get the idea. Okay, back to some more practical conversation. This one comes from Krista. She wants to know about burnout. 
What do you do when you finally have commissions, but you just can't seem to do them? Well, I feel like this is just the case for all commissions. Like, isn't that just always how it goes where you're so excited to get a commission and particularly get that payment in the bank? And even if you're really excited about the project and it starts out well, like they're usually hits a point where you're like, man, I'm too busy for this, um, or I just don't have the energy to create it. What do you do in that situation? Well, for one, I have learned to give myself graciously long timelines. So if I think that a piece will take me six weeks, I tell the client that the timeline is 12 weeks. The more spaciousness I can build in, the better. Um, Because within the process of any piece, there's times where you're on a roll with it and times where you need to take a break. And so you need to give yourself a timeline that's long enough to accommodate those ups and downs. On that note, it's also good to be really mindful, like preemptively mindful about when you take on commissions. I know that feeling when it's so exciting when somebody reaches out to you and you really want to do it. But I think it's good to get in the habit of really kind of like playing it forward. Like, okay, if I take on this commission, this is how much time I'll have to spend. Do I have a trip coming up? Do I have another project I'm dedicated to? Um, Do I have have a heavy workload in another sense or family obligations? Like over the next 12 weeks or however long this is going to take me, what does my life actually look like and how much spaciousness do I actually have? Okay, so both of those are like preemptive prepare for next time but let's just say you're like in it with a commission you're burnt out um, and it just is what it is communicate with your client I find that as long as you like let them know where the piece is at how much more time it's going to need if you need the deadline extended as long as you're in communication I I have noticed people to be very understanding And then outside of that, I feel like I burn out extra hard around commissions because we can tend to get really tight around them, right? Like there's an expectation from someone else versus when you're creating an open-ended art piece. And so taking that time to step away or just give myself permission to loosen up a little bit, like maybe sketch out some of the ideas on another piece of paper, I have to find ways to infuse fresh energy into the piece. Otherwise, it does just really start to feel like an intense design project, which doesn't create the best result. And I don't think it's what the person is paying for. So finding your own ways of dancing it out, stepping away, scribbling in a sketchbook, um, brainstorming ideas digitally, whatever you need to do to take the pressure off of that piece can only help you. Okay, and our last question comes from Dana K Designs, and she asks, how do you share your work without fear? I wish that there was a secret to this, but honestly, I think it's just a habit. I think that you get used to putting yourself out there over and over and over again to the point where you just really don't think anything of it anymore. On a little bit of like a deeper note, if you wanted to do a bit more processing around it, I think that if we can become less attached to people thinking our work is good and really just look at our work from a more zoomed out perspective, not the individual pieces themselves, but but more the picture that we're on this like overall journey and overall explanation, or I'm sorry, exploration. <laughs> And each piece along that journey is just like a little pit stop, but it's really about like the whole road. 
And if we can look at it like that, I think it matters less. Like if one individual piece is really loved or performs really well on the algorithm, in case we happen to be thinking about that, um, it becomes less about that and more just about like what we're making in general and like what we're dedicating our time to over the long haul. And when I look at things like that, I I feel less attached to one piece doing really well or something because like I just know I'm going to make another one or I know that there were ones before it. And then also kind of on a similar note, I think we do need to detach from other people's opinions. Valued feedback from people you trust can absolutely be helpful and, and I encourage people to seek that out. But when it just comes to sharing in general, I think releasing the need for other people to tell us that we're good and like validating ourselves. I mean, it's cheesy, but if we're somebody where it's like we need people to validate our work, we need people to like it, that's a really high stake for sharing our work. It's going to make it very scary to put it out there versus it's like, Oh, I just want to I just want to share cuz I did this and I spent time on this and I like it. That's a very different place to be coming from. Um so I think like doing a bit of deep diving in that department uh but first and foremost more than anything else just creating the habit and getting used to dare I say like being a little bit vulnerable cuz I think sharing our work will always be like you know, going off the drop of a roller coaster because we put our heart and soul into it. All right, you guys, I hope that this Q&A was helpful. I hope it gave you a little boost or something that you might have needed for the week or the month to keep making your work. Uh, I really enjoy making this show more like a conversation. And so if you have a question that you would like to be answered on a future episode, um, I pretty much get to all of them within a certain period of time. It might not be on the next Q&A, but it will be on a Q&A at some point in time. You can send me an email, uh, which is linked in the show notes, devinleewalls at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and get more content and art talks, you can do so over on Patreon. Uh, When you become a patron, there is one bonus episode that comes out every month, similar to this one and the others that you listen to. And you also get access to all of the past bonus episodes. So if you've been binging the show and you want more, that is a great place for you to go. And um, every dollar over there really goes to keeping this show up and running and is very appreciated. Other ways you can support the show are to share the episodes you're listening to over on Instagram. It's really how this show uh, finds its way to other artists. And leaving us a rating or a review on iTunes goes a long way as well. So thank you so much for listening today. Uh, Until next time, I'm sending you lots of love and tons of magic.